Welcome back to the Bookhouse Kids, the podcast where we talk about books. I am your host with the most, Caleb Gross, joined here by Mr. Studio Girl, need I say it again, Jonathan O'Neill himself. You don't need to say it again. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm so happy. Kind of a change of pace for you there, John. No, usually you're kind of depressing. No, yeah, I'm feeling really good today. I'm feeling really good about this book. Yeah, and this book is Cat's Cradle, as promised. And this is as promised. my favorite author here, Kurt fucking Vonnegut, mm, yeah. the man. You won't shut up. You won't shut the fuck up about Kurt Vonnegut, and uh, it's understandable. Kurt yeah, Vonnegut, Kurt is Vonnegut the man. Has wrote some books. Uh, <laughs> most people know him for Slaughterhouse Five. He is a uh, survivor of the World War II. Was in Dresden when the fire bombs were dropped, and that's where he gets a lot of his uh, recognition in the writing yeah. world. But he's everything he writes is a hit. Yeah, exactly. Everything he writes is just deals with so many different issues. And Caleb brought this up to me. Like he, his point about him being his favorite author is that he just has so many different topics, and he's consistently just a, a well-written uh, he's not one of those authors where you read one book and you get the premise of all of his books he doesn't yeah, expand yeah. upon the same thing book over book although he has a similar style with all of his books he similar has a similar style. style recurring characters recurring yeah. themes but, but they're but, all such widely different yeah, tales yeah exactly and this tale cat's cradle is uh is very loaded very loaded. loaded well they kind of all are and that's going to bring me to where i'm kind of going to give a brief description of this book okay. because it's it's a tough one to just like pin down the book is about an author the protagonist here john he goes by jonah though hey that's me <laughs> and he is jonah. writing a book called the day the world ended and it's about what imp- important americans were doing on the day that the bombs on hiroshima were dropped and one of his main Sorry. targets for this book and the person he wanted to really detail was dr felix honecker who is a creator of the atom bomb yeah, so right away there's, there's themes of uh of of war of nuclear weaponry uh destruction and stuff like that you know and the reason why john is so interested in felix honecker is exactly the reason why you would expect this is a creator of the atom bomb and it was dropped on this day he wanted to know what felix was doing if there was a tinge of guilt or responsibility for this act to occur yeah i mean science definitely plays a role in uh, something like this and you gotta wonder how guilty a scientist feels for inventing uh, uh a weapon of mass mind. destruction yeah. yeah it's kind of influenced i guess maybe by albert einstein or something some people like that that had a, a role in the atomic bombs invention you know and when john is reaching out to doctors dr felix honecker of course he's not able to me, uh, which is like throwing me off it's crazy uh, we're not talking about you, john your <laughs> your life i don't know if it is entertaining like, enough to be about? on a book right okay go on <laughs> <laughs> You'd be like the minorest of characters. The man who is breathing heavily in the Starbucks corner is would be your description in a book. I want some Frappuccino. Back to the more important John, the more interesting John, the better looking John, and the all around better hey. John to be around. Hey. The John in the book. He reaches okay. out to Dr. Felix Honecker's family because Dr. Felix Honecker has passed away. Um for reasons unbeknownst at this point in the book. You'll find out later. In the process he wants to find out what Dr. Felix Honecker was doing on this dreadful day. So he reaches out to Honecker's family, which consists of three children, Newt, Angela, and Frank Honecker. And now this is a band of fucked up children. This is what you would expect the creator of the Adam Bomb to have. Actually, I would say it looks a lot like the O'Neill household. (laughs) Like John's own household. (laughs) Yeah, you know, this is how I roll. These people are very influenced. Yeah, these these are some strange ones because Newt Honecker is Tyrion Lane. Minister. He uh, is a midget <laughs> that killed his mother at birth. So, hey, George R. R. Martin, maybe not so fucking original there, huh, bud? What a fucking idiot, really. 
unoriginal. And Angela Honaker is just a tall, goofy, not very good looking girl, um, over six foot. But she can play her, you. the clarinet really she well. She can fucking work she that care. She can put her mouth on there. Oh, my God. Oh, boy. John John was a fan of that. I like uh, that, yeah. I, I was like... Not I, you, John. The, the more important oh, one I'm talking okay. about here again. Okay. And right. then we also have uh, Frank Honaker. And Frank Honaker is missing for most of the book. Nobody knows where he's at. He the ends up he go? in a uh, small island called San Lorenzo. And we'll Ooh. touch upon that later. But that is pretty much the setup for this book. Uh, there's so many subplots and there's things that we're going to get into when we're just discussing it but we're not once again not going to touch the ending not going to go into every uh every trivial thing because you guys should read the fucking book don't be a lazy fuck and read it yeah like read the book and then listen to us or just read the last chapter a veteran move and a move approved by the book house it's approved by uh certified if you want to act like you've read every book ever known just read the last chapter and check a sparks notes before you go talk to somebody (laughs) that's all the knowledge you need so uh anyways I guess let's talk about one of the most important things about this book, Bacanonism. Bacanonism. So we're back to another created religion in a book. Yeah, it's it's insane. He creates a whole religion for this just for this book. And I'd say it's a primitive religion, but it's created also, to be intentionally primitive because it is almost like a sarcasm yeah, it's or a, satire, a uh, satire, a satirical um, assessment of religions in general. So just to give you an idea, this Bacanonism that we're talking about here, um, there is a Bible to it called the Book of Bacanon in the first line in the book of Bacanon is this is all a lie which you know that's like every religion <laughs> but uh yeah it, it just has the it has the goal to tell they're you not, to your face yeah so Bacanonism is based off of the premise of a foma and a foma is a created word by Vonnegut typical to him to create a word mm-hmm. um it's a harmless untruth so a foma is a lie that makes you feel better that's the essence of religion. So, like, they're not scared to admit it. It's it's really interesting. They how, know what they believe yeah. is not true, but they choose to believe it because it gives them the peace of mind. And I love how, like, when they get to San Lorenzo, Bacanonism is, like, outlawed on the island. And they whoever practices Bacanonism dies on the hook, but the whole population practices Bacanonism. <laughs> Because it's it's yeah. such an attractive religion to the people who are living there well, that it was it, set up to be like that almost to be like kind of like something that's unwanted or like uh or forbidden i guess and know? then just to give you an idea of uh how bacanon came about uh bacanon is an actual person hmm. he had very philosophical ideas he went away during world war one went to san lorenzo and created this fictitious religion and and society really almost yeah too. an entire society of people it's like this gets into the anthropology aspects of the book too which Kurt Vonnegut won uh, an anthropology award for writing this book because of how detailed it is which to me kind of seems crazy because I understand where he could win something of that because Kurt Vonnegut is such a great mind but in this book I don't think it deserves an anthropology award I think so I think he created society but I've read books where they were created better no the thing is that uh that's true. They, they're created better in other books. This book kind of gives you like the premise of how a society evolves pretty much. It doesn't give you, it's not like a society that's... It's believable. And yeah. The religion's believable. The way that people uh, act in it's course to the religion is believable. It's definitely like an outlandish society that would definitely, you know, you wouldn't see something a society like San Lorenzo out there, but it's really... Be uh, a lot cooler if there was. Yeah, hell yeah. I mean... 
it's really uh, realistic in the way how society evolves, I guess. And it kind of shows interesting aspects of that. I yeah, and as you said, Bacondism is huge to this book. Um, anytime there's like a creative religion, obviously it's going to be a very driving force in the book. But for our dumbass listeners who haven't read the book Idiots. and think they're going to pass their exam just by listening to this podcast, Good we'll luck. tell you how they even end up in this place, San Lorenzo, <laughs> and how uh, Bacondism is even a part of the book. Yeah, good luck. Because Dr. Felix Honegger was a renaissance man. He could create yeah. anything. Oh, yeah. And one day a Marine came to Felix Honegger and asked him a question if he would be able to mitigate the mud. Because Marines hate mud. They have to go through the mud. They have to trudge through it. It gets on them. It's wet. It's sticky. I don't Which like is, mud. Uh, Do you like mud, Jono? Well, as a Bacononist, actually, uh, mud is very sacred to me. Oh, and it's very okay. ironic because Bacononism believes that we all came out from mud. So on the side note, yeah, mud is very bad. And these for are things Marines. that only <laughs> Vonnegut would do to you. First of all, the question of a Marine coming to a scientist that created the atom bomb and saying, hey, can you get rid of mud for us? Mm. Like that's a very Kurt Vonnegut thing yeah. to do. It's such an abstract thought. <laughs> yeah. And for Kurt Vonnegut's uh, character, Dr. Felix Honecker, of course he would come up with an answer to this. Yeah. And that is Ice Nine. Oof. Now in the book, you're not led to believe that Ice Nine is real until later on. But Ice Nine is a chemical substance it's like a grain of salt that if you drop it into any pool of water it solidifies it it creates a melting point to be very high for this water so it's a solid substance so theoretically you throw the ice nine on a trench full of mud and that's all gonna just harden over it's not yeah. gonna stick to you anymore and everything will be fixed for the marines they don't have the the trudging through the mud problem anymore so yeah, he's yeah. felix honecker was very and, you good know trudging through the mud place. is a problem but also getting rid of the entire earth's water supply you didn't really think is about a that, bigger did you, problem yeah so that's the thing about science you know that's the problem with this ice nine you throw it onto a water substance just a grain of salt of it and sure it expands across the entire water yeah. substance <laughs> so if this hits your river that flows into other rivers which in turn flow into the ocean which in turn destroys the earth yeah not very uh not very well thought out there felix but um eventually yeah ice nine plays a huge part in this book and huge we'll go over that here now because we said this is how all of these children found their way into precarious situations oh, exactly so angela is married to an influential man um way out of her fucking yeah everyone's like that always cheats on her yeah. uh and the reason why she's with Lipstick. him is because she entrusted him with a piece of ice nine so ice nine ended up being created Ooh, wow. felix honecker killed himself by ice nine on accident yeah. just a little bit left over him he touched his lip boom you're done yeah and that's how the children divvied up the ice nine in between themselves they saw it and they were like "Ooh!" so every child ends up with a piece of ice nine and this is got to be one of the craziest substances that's ever been created yeah. and they understand the significance of it word got out that ice nine was created so angela was married off to a influential man mm -hmm. newt dated a another midget that turns out to be a russian soviet spy and yeah. she steals his ice nine and Frank goes to the island of San Lorenzo where he is betrothed to Mona Mazzano for the Ice Nine. Yeah, I mean, like, he becomes an important part of the society because he has this important, like, crazy technology that he, you know, shows them this godlike Ice Nine. And real quick, I want to talk about Ice Nine in more of a uh, symbolic way now. Okay. In comparison to the atom bomb. Because yeah. a big question, and when we're talking about science in this book, a big question that 
Kurt Vonnegut is asking is um, the detachment from creation, from ramification. The idea of an atom bomb is a is a scary thought. The idea of a grain of salt that can ruin the world's water supply is an even scarier thought. And this Felix Honecker created both of those things, but he did not create them to be used. He created them because they were a problem posed to him. This is something that would drive him to figure out the answer to said problem. Yeah, he was just the child at play, kind of figuring out problems that were posed to him, like uh, as Caleb said. So it was just kind of, I guess he was really innocent in what he was doing. An innocent man completely. He didn't He didn't mean to hurt anyone or kill anyone. It just happened because he created these things. So, I mean, it kind of shows science, like we've mentioned a lot you know, on this pod so far. Science is an amazing thing, but... It's like playing with fire. Like, what can happen if you have a genius behind the wheel that's uh, that people are posing their problems to all the time? Uh, you know, it's just it's it's just like helps the ramifications of a mad scientist. The ramifications of any scientist, anybody yeah. who's posed a problem yeah. and doesn't understand that the application of said problem that they're solving can be catastrophic, and it it goes to show you that he is somewhat not responsible for Hiroshima. Not really, no. I mean, it's kind of society's fault, in essence. I mean, because they're the people that are coming to him, like the military-industrial complex are always... Well, the fact that the questions are being asked exactly. for such items. Yeah, but also, I mean, he does have a little bit of, on on his conscience, probably. I mean, I would if I, I had mean, I don't know if that. Felix Honecker had much of anything I mean, on his conscience. Oh, yeah. I mean, he I, was a space cadet in this book. Yeah, that's true. The, he was written as like a very unrelatable... Uh, just to give you an idea of like Felix Honecker's character, one day he was sitting in traffic in his car and he completely abandoned his car. His wife, Emily Honecker, went to get the car, got in a wreck when she got the car, and then died giving birth to Newt. And it was theorized that it was from a hip injury that she sustained while she was hit with the car. So Felix Honecker should feel more responsible for his own wife's death than yeah. he should for the the lives of the people at Hiroshima, in my mind. Well, I mean, at least for his family. But, I mean, that's, that's the thing. That's why I guess I kind of label him as a mad scientist because he can't relate with people that well. He can't speak to people. He can't. I don't think he's a mad scientist because I think the term mad scientist kind of has that connotation that he's out to do wrong as much as no, he I is just, just a like, total space cadet. He's a genius, but, uh, you know, probably just can't... Uh, can't socialize can't kind of like albert einstein i guess a little bit you know oh come on albert einstein was a motherfucker he would hang out with the common folk yeah, that's true he hung out with uh yeah with albert einstein's like he hung out with alabar you know? yeah, oh he did hang out with alabar shouts out to jitterbug perfume we're still thinking about you it's always on my mind but enough um, about that imitation clone copy tom robbins compared to kurt vonnegut because kurt vonnegut <laughs> is that guy mm-hmm so uh what do you think about the title of this book cat's cradle uh if we want to get to like the title talk i guess of the book here yeah so it's it's a cool part of the book here um john asks new about his no not you oh the, sorry. the yeah, other way right. better john john I'm asks better. newt about his relationship with his father and newt tells john the story that felix came to newt and had string in his hand and was creating what's called a cat's cradle so right. it's an illusion with the string where you're able to see a cat in a cradle but all newt was able to see was in his words the ugliest man he has ever seen his mm-hmm. father was hideous his father never played with him he was scared by the sight of his th- the father trying to do this cat's cradle 
And throughout the book, Newt would always go, see the cat, see the cradle. There ain't no damn cat. There ain't no damn, no damn cradle. cradle. That's the thing. And uh, yeah, it's, that's really important. It's symbolic because it's just the way that society plays with science and religion to fuck up the world. Um, I mean, Because I, it expects you to see the cat and see the cradle. And, there's nothing and then there. every once in a while, you get a little Newt fuck who says, there ain't no damn cat. <laughs> there ain't no damn cradle. Uh, yeah, it's really awesome. I love uh, Newt. Uh, Newt's little uh, tirade about that is awesome. And, um, you know, I, I guess it just goes to show, like we talked about, you know, like the father never played with his children. Never. So I, that's probably why he was so scared, you know, when he was playing with the cat's cradle for the first time. But, I'd be I'd be scared of him, too, because the way that he described him was yeah. like fucking Shrek. It, yeah, <laughs> it, the it first was like, scene. oh, my God. Yeah, it was it was sounding pretty rough. Felix Honecker was not a looker. And guys, if all this is kind of sounding like a bleak look to you, this, uh, you know, midget being disgusted by his own father, the wife dying from an accident. Kurt Vonnegut is the king of black humor exactly. and is the king of the dark side when he writes a book it will always have a good feeling to it although it is so, so bleak in the dark. end yeah very dark and that's uh almost you know like we said he he's consistent with his style but you know he he always approaches different topics with his books but he always has that dark and would you say that this book from what you read for kurt vonnegut has more that feeling like where it's uh religiously focused and or science focused absolutely because he invents a whole religion in the book and it's i think so too this is only one of two uh, books that i've read by him where there's a created religion so it's not like he does this with every book so back to the the bleakness you know the the endings of this book is very i think out of all the vonnegut books i've read very very bleak and dark yeah and i would say from what i've read in vonnegut most of them always end very very bleak but it's true to the characters and you never feel that it's so bleak because the characters are doing what you would expect and you didn't expect it to be written in a you know a happy summary now with cat's cradle ice nine ends up going into the ocean and ruining the world so there you go book spoiled for you well there's the spoiler (laughs) um yeah but it ends so bleak because there's only four or five people left on this island now pretty much the world they're just yeah they're in a race against time because they're gonna die too just typical vonnegut fashion give us a fucked sad sad bleak ending but also make me feel so happy at the end of it (laughs) that it's like a <laughs> i'm gonna come right book, back to yeah. him it's very bipolar like you know you know it's just like the ending's so sad but it's also like like you said the characters are so well written that you're just like you the still characters, feel the humor everything yeah, it is a uh, philosophical kind of book when it's not trying to be a philosophical book oh, he doesn't yeah, have totally. to be pretentious with his writing he can write dumb but talk about smart things exactly. and that's why i appreciate an author like kurt vonnegut that's why he's one of the best i say he's my favorite you now he's the best i'm gonna throw a rating on cat's cradle it is a 10 out of 10 this book is a must read he has many books that i would give a 10 out of 10 to though um i don't know if i'd say it's my favorite vonnegut but i would say that it is an absolute must read i will uh, go ahead and echo that rating 10 out of 10 right there i hands down agree it's uh, one of the best books i've ever read um vonnegut always you know never fails to to please my uh my reading experience you know uh, it's almost like a joy when i crack open a vonnegut book because i know i'm in for a turbulent ride of emotions i know i'm in for just another grandiose tale and this book absolutely did this for me you know it was was such an enjoyable read um so it took me it took took me to so many different places in this book that i did not expect me to 
to be taken too. I, that's what I loved about this book, the unpredictability and uh, the, the, the detailed religion and society and everything is so well written. So definitely recommend this book. Definitely do. Now we will be reading a book next week, of course. And that book is Fahrenheit 451 by Ray Bradbury, a classic. <laughs> Another classic and a new author here, Ray Bradbury. I haven't talked about him yet. I'm excited because it's a classic, like you said, and it's hot. Going to be a good one. So tune in next week. Hit us up, bookhousekids at gmail.com. Thank you for everybody who fucks with us. We're going to keep them coming. Smell you later.